Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hello! We are talking with Claire Osborne today about homeschooling. We're going to debunk some common homeschooling myths and offer tips for parents who are considering homeschooling or have become temporary homeschoolers due to COVID-19. But first, a little more background on Claire. She's a music teacher, a music director at her church, and a mom to Grace, who is 13, and Caleb, who is 16. We are so glad to have you on the podcast, Claire. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You chose homeschooling from the start. Why do you feel that was the right choice for your family? At first, it was schedule because I worked in the evenings and felt that if I sent my kids to school, I'd have like a half hour with them a day. And that just wasn't enough for me. And that was kind of the original thought. And also, I wasn't sure that the public school would provide the challenge that my creative kids seek each day uh, so they didn't get lost in the shuffle and lose their curiosity. I wanted them to continue to ask questions and dig for answers every day. It just fit our lifestyle. And as you go, it gets easier and easier. It seems to me as the years go by, the thought of sending them back to school is not really an option anymore. So. Yeah, you had mentioned that to me previously, that the longer you get into homeschooling, the harder it is to think about changing course. Correct. I find that we do things so differently. It isn't just school at home, but it is a lifestyle in how we read and discuss. And if you don't know something, you go and look it up and learn about it. And even if while you're reading a book, you learn about something totally unrelated and then go down that trail and really find something that you didn't know you were interested in until you learned about it. And to have the freedom to do that rather than these are the 10 pages we have to cover today. And I don't care if we like it or not. Mm -hmm. We have the freedom to do what they want to do. I love that you say that homeschooling is a lifestyle and there's so much freedom within that. And it can be very self-directed for your kids It's about what they're interested in. And of course, I know you have certain parameters and certain goals, but it's so neat that you have that flexibility within that. And I'm sure that really does promote their curiosity, their just innate interest in learning, right? Absolutely. The more freedom they have, the more excited they are to study something that they want to learn rather than it being prescribed to them. So true. So the mission behind Mothers of Misfits is advocating for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. And I love that you talk about how homeschooling is the furthest thing from one-size-fits-all. And you've you know, we're just sharing about how you can tailor that and have the freedom and flexibility. And I think that just fits so well with this concept of misfit, because like you've said, no two kids get the same education when you do homeschooling. Even in my own house. (laughs) Right, right. So there is no fit in. It's exactly tailored to that child. Can you talk more about how that works? Sure. 
So each kid, you meet them where they are, whether they've come from public school, which is where a lot of folks find themselves right now. So maybe your student is advanced, and so they're in fifth grade, but they're ready to do sixth or seventh grade algebra. Right? Maybe they're bored. They know their times tables. They know all of that. It's easy. It comes easy. They're skipping steps and not showing their work because they're getting the right answer. And so they actually get in trouble because they didn't show all their work and all of that. Um, but they've got the right answer every time because they've got it. They know how to do it. So with homeschooling, you're able to say, well, if you don't need to do that, let's do algebra. Let's pick up right where you are and go there. I don't care if you're in fifth grade. You know, and be able to go there. But the, the the opposite can also be true. Your fifth grader comes out of fifth grade and they just, they still don't know their times tables. They're just really struggling even with adding and subtracting every time. Or maybe it's what I find is when you try to have different operations in the same problem, they can't keep it all together and they need more time just to be able to feel confident with it. And rather than shove them into something they're not ready for, you're in sixth grade, you do sixth grade math. who cares what grade your book says you do where the kid is ready and you you help them right where they are and you will be surprised at how quickly they end up back on grade level and above when you start where they're at rather than trying to push them in one certain way you also have the flexibility to change curriculum if one thing doesn't work like maybe you wanted to do an online program because that looked like the best thing the easiest thing but your kid doesn't learn online they can't function that way and they need the piece of paper or vice versa. Maybe they want to learn on the computer and you've got a whole bunch of worksheets. Don't be afraid to switch and do, again, how your child learns, not how you think they should learn. So would you say for those parents who are listening that have kids who are struggling in a more traditional or public school system that homeschooling is a good option for them? I think it's definitely a viable option, but you have to be dedicated to it. It's not an easy option, but it's a very worthwhile option. I think a lot of people are afraid to even consider, let alone choose homeschooling, because it does feel so daunting. And I want to address that with you a little bit later, because you have, like you said, you've made it your lifestyle, you've made it work, and it certainly is a commitment. But you've taught me that maybe it isn't quite as scary as we might make it out to be. It isn't because it's not school at home. You have to get out of the mentality that you have to be in your desk, sitting at the desk at eight o'clock in the morning, and you can't get up until three. We don't have a desk. We do, we do have them. I actually sold them at the yard sale this year, okay? <laughs> because we never used them. Uh, it, it collected stuff. All the stuff sat on it, but the kids never sat there. They sit outside and do work and read. They sit at the kitchen table, which is truly where we do most things. One of my friends always says, you know, it's great when you have to cook dinner, but you have to move the half-dissected frog out of the way first. <laughs> It's covered with art projects and the family tree and, you know, all the projects that we're working on, because again, it's in our space. It's just part of what we do. And that to some people is daunting because it is messy. Like there's stuff involved, especially the younger your kid, the more arts and crafts and projects and things that there are and things they collected on their nature walk and all those cool things that are learning. And we think that, oh, you spent two hours playing in the creek. That's not school. Let's sit down and do school. Two hours playing in the creek and finding a crayfish and 
oh, wait, we found these eggs. What are they? Let's look them up. Well, what will they turn into? And then you learn the whole life cycle of the frog because they found tadpoles. So that's better learning than looking in a book and saying, oh, look at the pretty picture of the life cycle of the frog. And what's so powerful about that, going back to this whole not a one-size-fits-all approach, is that we know a good portion of kids learn by seeing, by doing, by experiencing, by not sitting in a seat hearing a lecture. And the public school system, of course, and, and there's good reasons for why they're doing that, but they're increasingly, as the kids get older, having them sit for longer and longer periods of time. And we see right about third grade that there's a real difference in the experience of those kids who are tactile learners. Suddenly it gets very hard because it's so stationary. And I could see how the environment that you're able to provide would be so much more conducive to that child's learning. Because it is, instead of learning about the life cycle of a frog in a book, you actually get to see it and experience it. And for them, that's a much more successful learning environment. Absolutely. So let's have some fun, Claire, and let's debunk some common myths about homeschooling. Some of these are fun, but at the same time, they are definitely ones that I know I've heard of. I shared with you one of my very best friends who was a roommate of mine in college. She was homeschooled. And we always messed with her about it. But I know these are out there. So let's work through the truth versus the myth. Okay, number one is you're home all the time. (laughs) We are very rarely home. Uh, We have to actually fight to be home because there are so many amazing programs and things that we can be a part of, whether it's a local co-op or classes at the library or classes at the zoo or the Carnegie Museum. There are classes everywhere. And if you did them all, you'd go crazy too. You can be (laughs) overscheduled and be homeschooled. And you have to select the ones that you want to do and that that your kid is really interested and enjoy doing. And you know, it's a great thing to have so many choices. Also, my kids participate in things at the local high school. And to be able to be a part of that, you know, a lot of people think that you're missing that part of it. And my kids are able to do that also. Awesome. Okay, so myth number two is that homeschooled kids are unsocialized. It's kind of the same thing, right? That we are always at home. And I think the big thing about this is that homeschool kids in general, and again, it's it's all a generality. Every kid is different. Some kids are still shy. Some kids are still more outgoing, whether they're in school or not. But most homeschool kids are able to sit in a group of varying ages from adults and elderly people all the way down to little kids and kids their own age. And in school, they don't have much opportunity to do that. The only adults there are authority figures, which sometimes makes it harder to talk to. And the that all the kids are the same age. You don't have older kids showing you kind of the ropes or how to do things. Or younger kids that you get to mentor to and feel like a leader because you're helping them along the way. And I think homeschooling really affords that because most of our groups that we get together in 
we all bring everybody. Often grandma comes along because she's interested too. And we just have all different people that are part of our experience. That's so powerful. I was having a conversation with another individual recently who's very passionate about educational reform. And he said something that I hadn't thought about before, which is that school is the only time in our lives that we are only with the people our own age. And that really isn't representative of the outside world. When you're a professional, you work with people of all different ages and, you know, your family, obviously, people of all different ages. So I really do think there's tremendous benefit in having that variation in the influences that you have, both the older groups and like you said, the younger ones that you can mentor and sort of shepherd through their own schooling and life experiences. There's a lot of benefit in that. Okay, this one's a big one. I thought this myth was true. And you have definitely helped me see that that's not the case. So here's the myth. You can't work and homeschool your kids. A lot of homeschoolers work. It's expensive to have kids, let's be honest. And we want everything. And money is one of the vehicles to do that. And to have a parent at home not work is really a challenge in the world that we live in these days, even no matter how hard we try. And I think that there are so many of us who have made it work for us. I have a friend who's a nurse and you know, it takes two if your husband is willing to come along board and watch them so you can sleep or <laughs> watch them on the opposite times that you do. When my kids were little, that's what we did. I was home during the day and I go to work at 3 or 3.30 and work until 8 and he's there with them then. And part of it is that you school when you can. If you can't school in the morning because you're working, you school in the evening. If you can't school Monday to Friday, no big deal. You do it Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever day works for you. I have a lot of folks whose dads work shift and they can't be like noisy when dad's sleeping during the day and things like that. So even though the kids are home, so they kind of shifted their life and they get up a little later, stay up a little later so they can see dad and be with him. And also they can school when it works for them. So again, it's the timing part of it that has to just work for you. You've really opened my eyes to that because you talked about how, again, going back to tailoring this for each child, I believe it's your daughter that's not a morning person. So a lot of her schooling happens more towards the evening, like late afternoon, evening time. And that's her prime learning time. Right. And it doesn't suit me, but it doesn't have to. It suits her. And my son is the opposite. He likes to get up in the morning and get going right then and do it then. But he's at work today building a ramp uh, with my uncle and he'll come home and do his schoolwork afterwards. And he has that opportunity to not only learn with, with my uncle, but to help an elderly person who needs a new ramp to be able to have mobility in their home and to interact with these people, but still to be able to do school. That's interesting you say that because a good friend of mine who actually is on an earlier podcast episode, Amanda Yarger, she also was homeschooled and she talks a lot about how she had the freedom to have 
some really great jobs during her high school years and had all those experiences and could do that during the day and then come back and get her schoolwork done. Whereas it can be hard for public school high schoolers to have the time for that. Absolutely. And even with volunteering and things like that, they get a little lost in the public school. They do a lot of volunteering within the school with the Leo Club and things like that. But outside of the school is a harder thing in the broader community. And I have a group of kids this week that we're going to work with Habitat for Humanity on Friday. We're you know, going to help build a house. I don't know what part we're in, if we're in demolition or painting or you never know until you get there. But that's part of the beauty of it. So going back to you working and homeschooling, how do you not just feel absolutely exhausted at the end of the day? Because that's really like having two jobs, no? Yes and no, but aren't you usually doing homework and things with your kids in the evening anyway? We don't have that. It's the same thing. And especially as they're younger, the school day should take two to three hours. We're not saying that, you know, for second grade, we're going to be having school for eight hours a day. Not at all. And when they're being cared for by someone during the day, if they're that young, you leave them things to do. They're reading some independent things, some audio books, so that the day is not spent doing nothing. The day is still spent in valuable activities, playing games, being outside. There are a lot of things that that could entail that don't look like school but that our school, and so they have part of their day in, even though they didn't know it. And then you take the other part, the math, the, you know, the grammar, kind of the not as fun things where you do have to sit down and do it, you know, and that becomes that part. And I don't think it would really take that much longer than a heavy night of homework in some cases. It's a good point. Okay, next myth. Homeschoolers are all shy. <laughs> some are. So were some public school kids. Same, you know, some are very outgoing and it's like, oh my goodness, they're never going to stop talking. Same with <laughs> both. Yeah, I would say homeschoolers ask a lot of questions when we go to field trips and classes and things. You can usually tell because they're not afraid to ask five questions, whereas public, public school kids often will stop at one or two, but they're not afraid to ask and ask and ask because mom's always answering questions. <laughs> I can sense maybe a little bit of exhaustion. In that. <laughs> but to your point, it's this constant curiosity. And I love that. And there's no need to stop asking questions because I sense there's not this clear delineation between school time and life. It's constantly learning and lessons are being woven into all aspects of your day. Absolutely. Okay, next myth is homeschooled kids aren't prepared for college. Colleges are actually courting homeschoolers because they follow through. If they choose to go there, the dropout rate is so minimal. It just, it's amazing. And they are very prepared. They don't always do great on the standardized test because we don't teach to the test as the public school does a better job of teaching to the test. There are definitely homeschoolers who do very well on the SATs and things like that. But the studies show, and I don't have the statistics, but that homeschoolers do very, very well. It's an exciting thing. That's very exciting. That one was interesting to me, too, because I don't know that I would have guessed that or 
right. known that colleges are specifically seeking out homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. But as you say that, it really does make sense because they are, again, taught that constant curiosity and have a lot of that, I think, more independence and self-discipline, which college is all about. And they've learned, particularly probably in their later years of homeschooling, to do a lot on their own. Mm -hmm. And that's probably where some of the other public school kids might struggle with college because there isn't nearly the same amount of accountability there. And maybe that's where that follow through dropout ratio comes into play. Right. I agree. Okay. Last myth to debunk is that homeschoolers are not connected with mainstream culture. I think it, again, depends on the kid. There's so much available to you. It's different than it used to be. We all used to watch the same shows. I think of must-see TV on Thursday night, right? When we mm-hmm. were maybe older kids, but everybody watched the same four or five shows. Today with YouTube and all the different Netflix and things that are at your fingertips, you watch what you want, when you want. You don't have to wait, which is very strange. And I think will cause other problems around, along the way. We used to have to wait and learn patience and they don't. But I think that there's so many different cultures within that, even within the public school system, the different things that they do. And I think sometimes that's a blessing of homeschooling. I have a little more control, a little more control of what my kids choose and what they're exposed to, I guess, is more of it. But they still have lots of friends, lots of neighbors. And again, they're involved with things at the, the high school So they see the other things and then get to make the choices for themselves. The good thing is that they're not immersed in it daily. They're Mm -hmm. not every day seeing the same kid saying, well, did you see this and talk about this? And, you know, it becomes a side thing rather than the most important thing. Mm -hmm. That's really important. And I like that you talk about how they get to make their own decisions. Hopefully with help. (laughs) Yes, right, right. And you can control that exposure, I'm sure, more so at the younger years. And then as they get older and more responsible, they can be more open to that and then make those responsible decisions on their own. That makes a lot of sense. So this is just a funky time for all of us. And absolutely, I think there are a lot more people considering homeschooling today than ever have before. And there is also a significant amount of folks who have basically been forced into homeschooling Mm -hmm. because of COVID-19 and how different schools look right now. What advice would you give to those parents who are considering this or, again, suddenly find themselves in this situation? To meet your kids where they are. Don't say you're in ninth grade, you have to do this, 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 and this, and this is what's expected of you. They may not be ready to do that, or they may be past it. So you need to figure out where they are by talking with them and trying different uh, curriculum, different types of things, and go where they are. And as they get older, thinking about, well, where are you headed? Are you wanting to go to college? Are you wanting to go to trade school? And that's something I didn't mention when we were talking uh, about college. So many homeschoolers do dual enrollment these days, where while they're in high school, they take college classes 
some to the point of having close to an associate's degree or 30 credits before they graduate high school just by doing their regular work but through a university and most of this is online and again that's why the change or the transition to college work is no big deal if they've already taken that many college classes whether it's in person at community college or online which now everything's online right now Mm -hmm. but it makes the transition seamless they already know how to do it A friend of ours went to Grove City and she had the experience of having online classes before she got there. And then when everything went online, oh, it wasn't as hard for her as it was for her peers. They'd never done an online class ever. And she'd done lots of them in high school. So it was actually a benefit to her in college rather than being a hindrance. And I'm thinking the cost savings too, because the other massive problem that we have in society right now is this incredible burden of college debt because you're doing four, maybe five years of expensive institutions. And I'm assuming that if you're doing some of that during high school, it's a much less expensive option. My son does dual enrollment through Liberty University and it's 72% off. And I'm like, that's really scary that it's going to be 72% more (laughs) later. (laughs) But at least, you know, for two years, we can take the classes he wants at a great discount. And then it gives you the freedom to experiment a lot more with what you actually want to do. If you've never taken a business class, how do you know that's what you want to do? Or you've never taken a biochemistry class. You know, this really gives you a lot more freedom to say, yeah, never mind. I don't like that. Or this is definitely where I want to be. What a tremendous advantage. And to do that in high school so that you're not experimenting as a college student, again, that costs you time, that costs you money. And as somebody who coaches a lot of high school and college students on that career path decision, it really hurts their confidence. They start questioning everything. And if high school is the time to do the exploration, to just have these sort of no or low level commitments to trying things out that just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And I do know some public schools, maybe many are thinking more like that. I think they're starting to make some of the courses available or some more career specific type courses available. So I think across the board that's just a good idea. I agree. But going back to how you just dip your toe in the water even of homeschooling because for someone like me it just it it feels very intimidating what would you say is the first step so is there a reading okay so what should we read you need to read books a plethora of them to your children read to them every day every day every day cuddle them on your lap read to them read to them while they're playing legos read to them while they're jumping around the house They look like they're not listening. And then you ask them what happens or you stop or I used to fall asleep. I read so much and they'd be like, mommy, wait, what happens next? And read to them so that they love literature and they love stories because then they will be able to want to learn to read and to want to learn to write so that they can be a part of it too. And we can do that whether we're homeschoolers or not. Absolutely. And a little parenting hack on this one, if you don't have the time to be there reading all of the time or you happen to fall asleep, we use an Amazon Alexa for my son to be able to listen to books that way. And he loves it. He 
Like you said, he plays and listens to books. He'll read a book and listen to another book. He'll do schoolwork and listen to a book. But it's great because he's constantly getting that kind of stimulation and learning. And as a result, his vocabulary is just awesome. Well, Claire, I so appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your experiences about homeschooling and just having some fun with uh, some of those uh, stereotypes that are out there and debunking those for us. It's just a pleasure to talk with you and maybe this could be a good option for our families. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.